Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, if you want to follow along with me, we're, on page, we're at uh, verse 40, and we're going to be today uh, taking up the account that Jesus meets a leper and, and cleanses him. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but let's hear first of all from the word of, of the Lord. So may, the God, may God bless the reading of his uh, scripture right now. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look today at this portion of Scripture, help us to see more clearly our Savior and his work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A common concern for many of us is, is probably one of the top concerns of our prayers, probably is, is health. We prayed about some matters of health just a few moments ago. Uh, there's, in our society, there's many people that are consumed with health. Uh, there are certainly the old adages that uh, an apple a day will keep the doctor away, or early to bed, early to rise keeps a man healthy or helps a man to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, or something like that. So there's lots of those kinds of, of slogans and lots of emphasis on living a healthy life, what we should eat, what we should do, and so forth. And today we're looking at, a, a, at one of the occasions when Jesus healed a person who was not healthy, one who needed uh, much uh, in the way of healing. And we're going to consider this little passage today under four headings. The first is that lepers are cleansed. And then we'll look at the compassion of Jesus, the strong warning of Jesus, and the obedience required by Jesus. So we'll be looking at those, uh, this passage under those four headings, but starting with the fact that lepers are cleansed. This, this, uh, this passage concerns one who is a leper, or there might have been other types of skin diseases, but it's, it's, a, it's one who is, who is a leper, is spoken of as a leper. In fact, in Luke's Gospel, Luke also records this account it says he's full of leprosy. It's not just a minor case. It was, a, it was a severe case. This is also a passage that we find in Matthew's gospel right after, well, I think very first um, miracle after the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has proclaimed many important truths about the law, how we are to live. And then 
this cleansing of a leper occurs, which of course was placed there, I think, by Matthew to demonstrate the authority and the power of our Savior. And so we see here uh, this leper coming here. And we, the reason perhaps just to think about this for a moment, whenever we see an, 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 an occasion of, of Jesus' life that's recorded by more than one of the disciples, I think it should help us to take note and look at it. What is, why is that the case? Um, and since three of the, the gospel writers do cover this, uh, this one account. And one of the things that we find that when Jesus is approached by the disciples of John later on in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 7, the disciples come to him and say, uh, are you the one that is coming? Are you the one that we're anticipating will be the Christ? Are we to look for another? And Jesus on that occasion uh, did, some, uh, did heal and he goes and tells his disciples, tell John that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk again, the deaf can hear again, and lepers are cleansed. That's interesting to think about. Those are the signs of the coming kingdom. Those are the signs of the work of our Savior. Those are, those are things that can only be done by the Lord. There's no one that can recover their sight by any magical incantation. It was only if... Uh, Jesus would give them their sight, and that would be true of these other other miracles. Uh, Jesus is highlighting his messianic work. So lepers are cleansed. Today, if we go into the physician's office, perhaps one of the most um, frightening diagnoses we could receive is that of cancer, because often cancer is not curable. A lot of cancers today, thankfully by uh, by God's grace, working through men that have, and men and women that have learned how to apply medical uh, treatments can uh, cure cancer. But sometimes it's not curable. And this man that we are considering this morning is one who has an incurable disease. He has leprosy. It's, uh, it's something that affects his skin. But it's really even worse than that. It may not have affected him in the what he could do in terms of moving around, but we know that in in uh, in this time, that those who, who who had leprosy had to abide by very strict regulations, as laid out in Leviticus chapter thirteen and chapter fourteen. And what it really meant was that they had to separate themselves from all society. If you had leprosy, you could not have any physical contact. You could not have any social contact with your family. If you were married, if you had children, you had to, to live apart from them. You could not hug your children as they came home uh, in the evening from school. Uh, you had to remain separate. Perhaps the only contact you had with other people might have been other lepers. And so, in some ways, having leprosy was, uh, was in, in a way like a living death, because you were living by yourself. We, may, we might think about living... Uh, uh, in isolation, if we go back to the COVID days, in the early days of COVID, we we're all told to stay separate and we're all supposed to be uh, living in our small little cocoons. And in fact, we hear that some people were very much affected by that mentally and, of course, uh, psychologically. And that would have been like, that would have been what this man was going through all the time. He was living uh, on his own. Leviticus 13 tells us that he had to identify himself to all those around him 
as a leper by wearing clothing that was torn, by leaving his hair loose, and if he was in, if he did encounter ever anyone, he had to go to the other side of the road, hold up his mouth in front of his face, and cry out, "Unclean, unclean," to make clear that you needed to stay clear of him. So he was living a kind of living death. He could not uh, worship in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He could not come in contact with anyone. Some commentators point out that perhaps the only way a leper could live is if they had friends or relatives that would bring things to him, but they, they really could not have any human contact. So it would have been a very miserable time uh, for this leper. Now, this really brings us to, in some sense, the reality of Jesus' ministry to sinners. This man was a leper, and of course he was separated from all society. But those who are sinners are actually also separated from God. They are just as much cut off from the Lord. And there's nothing that they can do to change that. There's nothing we can do to change that if we're not in Christ. There's nothing this leper could do. By keeping the law, he would not become cleansed. Rather, he was condemned. Jesus uh, is, is the only way in which our lives can be changed. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, and starting in verse 3, that for what God has done, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the weakness, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the law is, is powerless to change and cleanse the leper. If a man were clean, he would not need to, he would not, the, the law would not condemn him, but if he's unclean, the law cannot save him. And that, so that is true of us today. And really, the Gospels want to teach us, of course, more about Jesus Christ than about leprosy. But what the Gospel was teaching us is, just like this leper, we each need the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are today one who is outside of of the Lord, if you have never come to Him in faith, then you're just like this leper. You're separated from God. You're isolated from Him. And there's nothing you can do of your own. The only way that you can come to Him is do what this leper did, which is implore Him, coming before Him, and asking for uh, Christ to change your hearts and your lives. So if you have not yet done that, then I implore you this day to present yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only He can take away the wrath and the guilt of sin. Well, lepers are cleansed, and it does herald the coming of the, of the messianic work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, in this particular case, we see, secondly, the compassion of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. Uh, when we read this in a moment ago, we see that Jesus, in verse 41, was moved with compassion, and He stretched out His hand, and He touched Him. Now that's something that's really remarkable when you think about it. See, in the day in which uh, this man was living, not only was he to remain separate from all of society, but no one would voluntarily think of putting their hand on a leper. What would that do? Well, that would make the, that would make, uh, the, the person who did that immediately unclean. Of course, it's also the possibility that they might even contract leprosy and become permanently unclean, not just ceremonially, ceremonially unclean for a short period of time. Uh, this was remarkable that Jesus did this. 
you must you could probably imagine the crowd standing around uh, on that day looking at what Jesus is doing and thinking well how is how is this possible that Jesus would put his hand on a leper uh, and he does he, he he stretches out his hand and touches him something a probably a rabbi would never have done and so Jesus does the incredible in order to reach out and to touch this man. You know, Jesus could have healed this man without touching him. In Luke's gospel, we have the account of Jesus healing the servant of a centurion. And the centurion said, uh, asked for Jesus to heal his servant, but he also said there was no need for him to come to his house because the centurion recognized the authority that Jesus had. And in fact, Jesus remarks on the faith that that centurion had that was like uh, faith that he had not seen amongst the Israelites. So it, was, it would have been possible for Jesus to, t- to heal this man without touching him. But I think to show his compassion, he places his hand on this man who needs healing. He touched him. And why did he do that, you might think? Why would Jesus put his hand on this leper? Well, one reason might be not only to show compassion, but also to demonstrate that Jesus was willing to become something. He was willing to become a sin, identify with the sin of this man. Jesus Christ takes upon himself our sin. He's prepared to, be, by choice, uh, to become what we are by nature. He's saying that to this man as well. This man by nature is a leper, and Jesus was willing to identify with him in order that that man might have freedom and life, even as if we are embraced by the Lord, we can have that same freedom in life. So in this miracle, Jesus is showing his grace in salvation, demonstrating the power of the coming of the kingdom. He identifies himself with our sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read that he became sin for us, uh, although he was sinless, and he also conveys to us his righteousness through his perfect obedience. So what a marvelous must have been for this man that he had maybe not received any type of human touch in years, and yet Jesus not only touches him, but heals him, and he is immediately cleansed. Now, we might uh, not have such serious illnesses. Some, of, some may have Ill, Ill illnesses of this magnitude, but most of us probably don't. And yet again, if we are... If we're not in Christ, we're just as isolated as, as this leopard. But the good news is that Jesus promises to come to us. Some of you might think, well, maybe the Lord can't save me. Maybe the Lord can't heal me. Maybe the Lord can't change my heart and life. But Jesus invites you to call upon him in his saving work. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The crowd standing there must have thought, well, Jesus is going to become ill. Jesus is going to contract leprosy. But, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, Jesus um, was, in fact, communicating, cleansing to this man. He was cleansed immediately, and his touch points to his... His, the, to the, the compassion that our Savior had, but the immediate healing also uh, shows us his power and authority. 
So that's the compassion of Jesus. But then uh, we see in the, the, the strong warning of Jesus in verses 43 and 44. 43 and 44 may be a little surprising that we suddenly have a moment where a great work of healing and cleansing has occurred. But then we see in verse 43 these words, and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. That's kind of surprising, isn't it? He issues a strong warning. What, what is he charging him to do? Well, it's mainly he's charging him what not to do in this first part. Uh, he charges him not to uh, go and, and, and do anything but to go away and tell, tell no one what's happened. Why does, he, why does he give that commandment, we might think? Why wouldn't you want to advertise what's taken place? Isn't this a great, great thing that's occurred on this day? Well, Jesus knew that his miracles would be misunderstood. We know that there were some that just wanted to see the spectacle. We know that there were some who uh, asked to see other miracles. They wanted to see signs. Some of the Jews came and asked Jesus to, for a sign. Jesus knew that the miracles could be misunderstood. They were interested in him only for those signs and wonders. But what did Jesus want them to see, really? He wanted them to see that the miracles are signs of the kingdom of God. They're signs of his authority. They're signs of his power. And Jesus wanted those who were looking on that day to not be bowled over by the, the signs and wonders, but rather to, to see that these signs are the work of the, of the kingdom of God. He wanted them to submit to the reign of God. That's what really mattered. So, this was the reason, I think, that Jesus gives this warning, and perhaps also a second reason would be because he knew the temptation that this man might, might, uh, might suffer. He knew perhaps of his spiritual weakness. Uh, he's uh, one that might more easily go off and tell out uh, every detail that happened to the first person. In fact, in some ways, this man is a, sadly an example of one who has been saved by the Lord, He's received healing. He's received uh, uh, a, a great work in his life. But then he refuses to submit to God's word in terms of how he should live his life. Too often we see that. Too often we see that people come to the Lord in salvation, but then they're not willing to hear God's word and live according to it day by day. So there's an application here that comes through very strongly uh, in this text which is the question, are we ready to submit to God's Word to live our lives according to how He directs us for His kingdom and for His glory? Or do we want to live it according to our own purpose and our own, our own way? Which brings us to our fourth and final point, the obedience required by Jesus, which we find in verse 44. In verse 44, we see that Jesus gives him the instructions to go and show himself uh, to the priest. Interestingly, again, uh, he, this man was not just free to go home and say, uh, you know, honey, I'm home. Look, I'm clean, cleansed from, from uh, leprosy. But rather, uh, he had to go and follow through on the procedure of the law of, as, as, is, as is laid out in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. He had to go and show himself to the priest and to do, uh, follow that procedure. Uh, he had an obligation and a duty to follow the requirements of God's law. And so that's really the, that's really the, 
the application for us today. Uh, whenever we are praying for something and God answers it, are we willing then to continue doing what God requires of us? If we have a great need and the Lord heals us perhaps from a great illness or gives us something that we've been looking for, that does not take away the, the requirement that we have to also seek to live as godly people according to His Word. We have to um, do uh, really uh, everything in our lives uh, to the Lord's honor and glory. We need to do the Lord's work, but we have to do it in the Lord's way, uh, using uh, the Lord's Word to guide us. So this is our application I want to leave you with today is that as we are experiencing God's grace, as we experience perhaps spiritual cleansing, spiritual uh, renewal in our own hearts, then we also need to continue to do what God uh, requires of us. We don't want to be like this one who became in some ways, we read in the very last verse of this chapter, an obstacle to Jesus' ministry. This man may have thought he had a better way to run the kingdom of God or to proclaim its coming. We don't want to be like that, but rather we want to be doing the Lord's work uh, in the Lord's way using the Lord's word. There's a, there's a little phrase in John chapter 2 uh, when Jesus was in Cana. He was at a wedding, and it's one of his first recorded miracles. And as you recall, they ran out of wine. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a good situation when they ran out of wine at the wedding. And Mary implores Jesus to do something, and Jesus, uh, Jesus agrees to. And Mary then says this to the servants. She says, do whatever he tells you. I think that's a great, a great uh, phrase to live by in our own lives. We should do whatever the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we give thanks today for the life that you've uh, given uh, to us, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that uh, we may call upon him, the Lord Jesus, who, who came from the heights of heaven and showed great, uh, great compassion by giving up his life for us. We ask that, Lord, that as you have, uh, as you have given yourself, that, Lord, we pray that you would, as many as received you and believed in your name, that you, who you've given the right to become children of God, that we would also seek to live faithfully before you by the power of your Spirit. So we ask, Lord, that you would direct our lives. We pray that you would grant us to be, uh, be, to be used in your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing. We believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72 cannot fit any more seats and if we were to fill every single one every lord's day we would have no more than 72. the plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches 
one of the things that we want to, to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, this is a very dark place. Uh, there is a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place, uh, through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to, to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name.